On today's episode of The Mismatch, Chris Vernon and I finished recording before Giannis Antetokounmpo signed his five-year, $228 million Supermax extension with the Milwaukee Bucks. So, that means Chris and I didn't get to talk about it together. Right now, as I'm speaking, he's recording his local show in Memphis. So, I'm just going to share some of my thoughts, and then we'll hit it again on Friday. It goes without saying that this is massive news for Giannis, for the Bucks, for the entire league. Any team that had interest in pursuing him, like the Mavericks, the Raptors, or the Heat, they got to look elsewhere. They got to find a different star. Giannis is staying in Milwaukee. This is a win for small market teams. It's a win for the Bucks because now they can focus on building a championship team entirely. Now in the short term, they can essentially take the LeBron game plan. They already did that with trading all the assets that they did, all those first round draft picks and swaps that they did for Drew Holiday, who is obviously as we've talked about a bunch this offseason, a perfect fit for Giannis. He's the best defensive guard in basketball, and he provides the right type of secondary shot creation abilities that complements Giannis. He can play with or without the ball, and in fact, Holiday himself is often more comfortable without the ball. Giannis must have seen that and looked at the Bucks as the team that offered him the best chance to win a championship, but also... It is home for him. It's a place, you know, it's more than basketball for a lot of these guys that are in a position to make a decision for where they want to play, where they want to build their life, where they want to raise a family. And Giannis just became a father and he loves Milwaukee. This organization has done a lot for him. You know, when he was drafted, they helped bring his family over to the United States. Remember those tweets about Giannis, you know, saying, I just tried a smoothie for the first time. I love America. This is where Giannis grew up from a teenager and became a man, a father, and really somebody that is known worldwide. You know what Giannis looks like. You know Giannis, and this is the place where he grew. And so this is a show of loyalty. It's a show of trust, and it's a situation where he can win. The Bucks, you know, there's concerns there. I think, you know, the loss of George Hill and Eric Bledsoe and Wesley Matthews have gone a little bit overlooked because of Drew Holiday, and they're going to lose some defense by having those new guys, Bryn Forbes, DJ Augustine, Dante DiVincenzo. Those guys were not good on defense last year. So there are some questions that need to be answered. But the fact is, is the Bucks had the number one defense in basketball last year. They were the one of the most potent teams in all of basketball on the offensive end. Giannis is one of the game's best players, period. This is a team that can win a championship, especially after the addition of Drew Holiday and the commitment that Giannis shows to them can allow them to now go all in, entirely all in, even more than they already did with that Drew trade. Four years guaranteed with the fifth year guaranteed with a player option. There's time now, and time is what's going to provide the Bucks the opportunity to plan. Now they know they don't just have one year with Giannis. They know they have three or four or five and maybe adding a young player who can pop. They can do that. He's giving them time because he himself knows that he's young and I'm excited for him. He's one of the best stories that we have in this entire league. It's awesome today that my friend and my coworker Mirren Fader announced that she's writing a book about Giannis. This is not a plug. This is just like she announced it like 30 minutes before the signing happened. It's immaculate timing for her. So I'm I'm pre-ordering that book and I can't wait to read it because Giannis, he's one of the best stories we have, man. You know, he was selling sunglasses on the streets of Greece and now he just signed a $228 million contract that's going to give generational wealth and support to his family. And their families to come in the future. And uh, it's just, it's, it's amazing. Like he is one of the best superstars we have in this game. He's one of the best people we have in this game and I'm rooting for him. And like, I'm happy for the bucks. I'm happy that a small market franchise in a league where big markets usually win. They got a victory here. You know what? They struck out on Bogdan Bogdanovich. There's, you know, a lot of mess and a lot of confusion with what happened there. But ultimately, the Drew Holiday trade and the other additions that they've made over the years have created a team that is a serious championship contender, and they signed their guy. They signed their guy. So I'm happy for Bucks fans. I'm happy for Giannis. I'm happy for the Bucks and for small market teams. It's a victory for them. And 
I can't wait to not have a year talking about will or will will or will not Giannis Antetokounmpo sign his Supermax with the Bucks. I'm looking forward to talking to basketball, and that's what we're going to do this whole year on the mismatch. Anyway, on today's episode, before Giannis signed, we talked about our main observations about the Bucks. One of mine was on Milwaukee. We're going to scrap that because it also talked about Giannis's decision, but we did talk about a lot else. We talked about the Pelicans with their new offense, how they're Stan Van Gundy. We talked about young players not getting summer league and how some of them are struggling. Some of them are shining. We talked about the Mavericks as maybe a threat in the West. All that's next on The Mismatch. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Nissan. It's time to start getting excited about the journey and not the destination with the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Built to navigate you to some of Earth's most inspiring spots with seven drive modes and all the power you need. Get the thrill of the drive in every moment of your journey with the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vardin. Joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Kindness. Kevin! Verno! What's going on this Tuesday morning, dude? We have gotten to watch a lot of basketball over the course of the last uh, 72 uh, to 96 hours. and A lot. It's bad, yeah, Chris. It's been fun, too, because... You know, for some of these teams, we have not seen them since March. Other teams, we haven't seen them since the bubble. And so we have done for today, since we have, you know, a small sample size so far, but first impressions do matter a great deal. And we do have some first impressions. So we're going to do five things we have noticed so far since we've been watching since Friday night. All right, Kevin, you want to start or you want me to start? I'll start it off, uh, starting with a game last night. We've only seen this team once, and that's the New Orleans Pelicans. I was impressed by the Stan Van Gundy offense. There was a lot more movement, especially with Brandon Ingram, getting him going with some sets, uh, getting him going towards the basket in situations in which he can shoot out of it, drive out of it, pass out of it, and Zion, the way in which they got him going with some clearly designed cuts or as quick give and goes within their offense. I, I I came away really impressed, never mind the fact that they played with more defensive intensity than they did perhaps all of last season. This seems like a unit that obviously it's just one preseason game, so let's not overreact to anything, but it does seem like a team that, despite the loss of Drew Holiday, should be better. They should be better. In that particular game, too, I was glad it looks like there is going to be a step forward for Nikhil Alexander-Walker, a guy I was very high on in last year's draft and had, I mean, a nothing rookie year. I mean, he just didn't even play much at all uh, for Alvin Gentry. And I was really high on that kid. I think they got a real player in him. And of all the rookies, you know, that was an outstanding rookie class. He was one of those that I thought he just wasn't given much opportunity to play last year. And who knows? We'll see when they get all of their guys available. Obviously, J.J. Reddick's not playing last night and he's Mm going to be a big minute guy. But, you know, the kid got on the court last night for 21 minutes. He's get 14, 14 points. He shoots a ton of threes. He's four of eight from three last night. And so I like that guy. I, I like, I liked him a lot coming out of college and I think they got a real player. And so I'm hoping he gets a chance too. but 
Look, first impression on Zion. Woof. Oh man, I mean, dude, some of the finishes he I has, mean, like there, there's not a better finisher in the league right now yeah. that can finish at the rim when contested, when the lane is clogged. It, it, some of the finish, it's crazy what he does, the way he's able to contort his body midair and finish with either hand with touch from tough angles. It's dude, like the Pelicans, like Steven Adams offers a lot of good for that team. The one thing they're not going to have a ton of the season still is spacing. Yeah. And like it doesn't matter for Williamson. It doesn't matter. He can still get it inside. It's insane, isn't it? Yeah. And actually, I'll make that number one on mine because it kind of goes in conjunction with this because it includes Zion, which is obviously I have watched both of the Grizzlies Timberwolves games that have been played and I've seen Morant in both of those. And like this is going to get accelerated very quickly. Like both good. of these guys are like ready to be superstars now in year two, which is crazy. Now they were insanely talented their first year. Both of them, Zion obviously played a lot less games, had outstanding rookie years, but you watch them. That's two guys that I have watched already in the preseason. And they were clearly the best players on the court. In their games, like if if you had never watched a basketball game and you watched the Grizzlies game, you would go, that guy's the best player on the court. It was a court that included Carl Anthony Towns, too. Mm, and true. if you watched the Pelicans, you would have gone, that's the best player on the court. And to me, that is a real signal that these two kids who were who went one and two in their draft class last year, that if they can be healthy this year, it is certainly not out of the realm of the possibility that they are both all-stars this year and that they are moving up at a insane rate. Usually nobody is that good in year two. Both of these kids look prepared to be that good in year two. It's pretty nuts, dude. I think with both of these guys, John, Zion, on their own ways, like obviously with Zion, health is going to be what determines whether he's a long-term great player or somebody that kind of fizzles out and hopefully he can stay healthy but it's very rare that you have guys in their second year that have shown the ability to be this special because you mentioned like Zion uh, you know he can do more than just finish at the rim like he can attack from the perimeter he can pass for you he can hopefully be far better defensively than he was as a rookie and with Ja you're right dude like he looks better he looks better. He looks like he has more command of the offense. It looks like that he's changing speeds even more with bent more effectiveness. His jumper looks so smooth as well. Ja seems like he's ready in year two to get as good as he was as a rookie. He just seems more seasoned to me. Is that is that yeah. your impression too? That yes. he just seems like a guy who's understanding the game and feeling the game and dictating tempo more. Yes. He gets in the lane anytime he wants. Now he had he had crazy numbers as a rookie. In fact, better than Dwayne Wade, better than Derrick Rose, some of the great, great players that we have seen in the league in terms of field goal percentage and points in the paint. He was constantly getting in the paint, and he's got this little floater, and you see him now where, I mean, he started off the games, and it's like these crab dribbles into the lane, and you've got a choice to make. He is such an elite-level passer that... If you don't come up on him, he just drops it in. If you do, he throws it out to the corner or he dishes it down to Valanciunas or whatever. I mean, I think he's got 17 assists and one turnover so far, and he just controls the entire game. It's crazy. I texted you guys on Saturday night, and I'm like, this is this is outrageous how unbelievable this kid is. Like, I, I've watched a lot of basketball players <laughs> over the years, and he is... He is special. And, and and look, the same goes for, for Zion. You watch that and you go, how is this dude in his second year, right? With him, though, it's like, look, he's bigger and stronger and faster than everybody he's playing against. With, with Morant, it's just, this is, this is a pure, he is like a hybrid of the scoring guards, but he is also an amazing passer. And those kind of players have a chance to be devastating in the league, for sure. 
I'll take that and lead to my second one here. Yep. And this is another second year player who I wrote about today on the ringer.com. And that's Talon Horton Tucker Lakers. Second round draft pick <laughs> went 46th in 2019. You know, LeBron James tweeted that he's flat out special Lakers fans are going nuts. Cause in two preseason games against the Clippers, he had 19 points and nine rebounds. And then he had a 33 point 10 rebound, four assists, four steal night in game two. And with him, it's the type of thing where, his potential after one season at Iowa State was clear. Spark plug score at six foot four with, with a weird body, 200. At six foot four, he is the heaviest player at 240 pounds. He is the longest player at seven foot one with a seven foot one wingspan. And his game, I realize it's only preseason, but the progression that he showed over the course of his year in the G League. The progression that he showed with the Lakers in the bubble when they put up, put him out there in the second round against the Rockets. And then what we're seeing in the preseason now, this is a different player than the guy who fell to the second round, who fell because of stupid decision making, because of erratic, you know, shot selection, because of lackluster defense. He didn't focus or really try that much on defense in college. This is somebody who is busting his butt on the defensive end of the floor. This is somebody who's making wiser decisions on offense. So I'm more impressed by that aspect than like seeing the number 33 points. So when I say that he stands out to me, it doesn't stand out just because this is a big market team with a nice young player. It stands out because this is a finals contender. If this was happening on the, on the bucks or the Sixers or, you know, even the Celtics or nuggets level for that matter, it would be a story and the fact that the Lakers have a 20-year-old player in Talon Horton Tucker looking like a you know guy who can create off the dribble for you, somebody who can be versatile defensively for you, make plays for others, that opens up a lot of doors for the Lakers moving forward if his development is for real. And it may not be. It may just be a flash, and that's it. But it's enough uh, on this trajectory that he's been on since college that I feel pretty good about this could be for real. This could be for for real. And the Lakers might have a, a jet hidden gem on their roster in Horton Tucker. Okay. So if you go back and listen to the show that we put out on Friday, because I was, I got a lot of these, um, this weekend, I said, when we were talking about that game, about how the stars won't play in that game. And I said, <laughs> get ready for the Taylor Horton Tucker show mm -hmm. in jest. I had no idea we were truly going to get <laughs> yeah. the Taylor Horton Tucker show. You know, he had that brief moment in the playoffs where he came in and he was really good yeah. in a very short amount of time. And that was kind of the only time we really saw him, but he was he very good. He 98 minutes all season, all playoffs with the Lakers. He spent most of his time in the G league, but there was a very short time in the bubble where he actually appeared. Yeah. And it was like, Hold on now. Is this guy, this guy, he made a very good first impression uh, in his minutes at the bubble. But what he did over the weekend, and I know you say, and I say this too, it's just the preseason. Look, man, I, this is where I kind of stand on this. Okay, he's not a 33-point-per-game guy, right? Let's, <laughs> let's, let's get serious. Yeah, no kidding, right? Yeah. That's extreme. But there's a million guys that have played preseason games, and there are a million preseason games every year. And they don't score 33. You know what I'm saying? Like, it does mean something, right? That you went in. Exhibition or not, it's yes. still basketball. Guys can create off the dribble or not. Guys can hit step back three-pointers or not. He's shown that he can. And all manner of guys, this is where they are given the opportunity. There's guys that aren't, aren't even going to be NBA players that are given the opportunity in preseason. Um, and the other thing is he started and played 41 minutes. So it's not like he just came off the bench in the second half playing against a bunch of guys that are going to be in the G League and wore them out. Like, he was good from beginning to end. And so sure. I think there it's totally fair to think that there could be something there. Now, mine actually piggybacks off of that. And I think you... You may, I, maybe you'll be surprised, or maybe you will just agree. After watching them and watching and seeing what they have now, depth and bench wise, I think the Lakers this year for this season should be Warriors level favorites. They will mm. not have the record seasons mm. that those Warriors teams have 
because I don't think they give a crap about winning 60, 70 games. And I think they probably won't play, you know, enough to win 60, 70 games. And this year is so weird where you're playing like back-to-backs in certain cities and whatever else. So like they're not, and obviously it's a, it's 10 less games anyway. Six, yeah, so 67 and like, five. You could win, you could win, <laughs> no, you could win all the games yeah. and you'd go 72 and 0. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And and you could just match uh, the, the bull record. Of, of like a 73 and nine season would be 65 and, and seven. Right. Yeah. They're not going to do that. That being said, so beating that when it happen. comes to playoff time, I think there is such a massive gap between them and everybody else. Now, I did not feel that way last year, and it's because I, as as I mentioned many times, I didn't love their depth and their bench. Now you watch that team, and <laughs> it's <deep>. like Jesus, <laughs> like. I think they should be when you're when you're adding and now again I've watched them without LeBron and AD and they still got players. Yeah. Now, like you know what I'm saying? Well, like well, they got right, right now. Like I was texting with my friend Dan Bailey, the, who the, who helped yep. write, write the, our theme song here, and Dan said to me, "He's like, would they be a playoff team in the East without LeBron and AD? No, maybe Come not on. playoff let's team. Not, but let's but not go they, that far. But, but could they compete for the plan a playing spot like the nine or ten? They could Come compete." On. Let's they not can go compete. That far. Why not? We're talking about their death. Den- Dennis Schroeder, who is finished second and sixth man last year. Montrose Harrell, who finished first. Yeah. They have plenty have a, of other good players. That's a great Marcus bench. Saw. That's a great yes. bench. Let's, I, I, let's I, not I, get... Look, I say something like that, and you have to take it so much further. It's like, get the, the fuck out of here. They are not competing for a playoff seed with that without AD and LeBron. That being said... Yeah, but we're talking about... I, I mean, I'm not saying they would You're adding it. two of the best 10 players maybe ever. <laughs> <laughs> like, get serious here. All right? I'm just, say, I'm just saying that the East, it, it it's arguably stronger up top, but it is not as strong when it comes to those teams that are going to be fighting for the seven, eight, nine, and 10 spots. The West, I mean, my goodness, there's going to be a good team that finishes 11th in the West. That's my point. There's going to be a good team that finishes 11th in the West. They're not even going to get a chance in the play-in tournament. That's how deep the West goes with quality teams. The East, it falls off after seven spots. After the first seven, then you get the Atlantas of the world, the Charlottes, those teams that are fighting for that eight spot, nine spot, and ten spot. I don't. I'm not saying. I'm all. I'm saying is the Lakers would at least you know be worthy of being in that conversation without those guys, which is a testament to how strong their depth is. Marcus Gasol, you already have seen how good he can be for that team. How much better he is than JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard with the passing ability that he brings in the half court for them, like. Gasol isn't the same guy that you got, you know, in Memphis for so many years, but that dude can still contribute to winning. He can still play. Of course he can. Of course he can. And that that team is that team is going to be, I mean, absolutely dynamite. Look, we just watched in the bubble. Their third best guy for the majority of that finals was Rajon Rondo. Okay, and I don't know who you want to argue was their fourth best guy, but now with I mean, if if this Horton Tucker comes along and you've got uh, Caldwell Pope is probably their fourth best because he had some real moments. Caldwell Pope, Kuzma, Montrez, Quinn Cook. I mean, they got guys that can knock down shots and do stuff for you. And obviously that goes, and I didn't even mention Marcus Hall. Um, yeah, I think they should be prohibitive favorites yeah. to win I've this got, thing. I've got them as prohibitive Yes. I'm with you. I just I'm think there's a you. massive gap. I, I I don't think the Clippers, uh, I I liked the Clippers roster better last year, and I like the Lakers roster better this year. So last year would have been the year for the Clippers to to get them, and obviously they vomited all over themselves before they even got that opportunity. Um, all right, what's your third one? Let's go with uh, let's let's pivot off that with this thought. The Mavericks are finals threats and the Lakers are prohibitive favorites. But if you're looking in that second category, like which team could make a run at the finals, which team could be an upset threat? I look at Dallas and Luka being the player. He is already an MVP candidate, maybe taking another mini leap. 
I look at the additions that they made this offseason and thus far in preseason, Josh Richardson looks great in his role next to Luka. Josh Green, their first round draft pick out of Arizona, a rookie wing. He looks really good. He looks better than he did at Arizona. To me, he looks like he's playing a more comfortable offensive game. He already can defend. He's somebody who can uh, contribute right away for them. Maxi Kleba, all the depth that they have. Jalen Brunson, you know, Tim Hardaway, Dorian Finney-Smith. Uh, and then you add Kristaps Porzingis once he returns. To me, they're not finals favorites. You know, I'm picking the Lakers to win it all. They're better than last season. Uh, I think that they should be the prohibitive favorites, as you said. But in that second group, Dallas to me, stands out as a team that's built to make life hard on somebody in the postseason, especially if they're able to upgrade over Tim Hardaway Jr. at some point over the season. I mean, they made life hard on the Clippers last year sure in, in, that, in that series, but they mm-hmm. got to have Porzingis, Kev. Exactly. That's the big question with them. You got it. And that's always going to be the question with them. Can KP stay healthy? That's the X factor on that team, which is why, to me, when you're looking at Dallas, KP in an ideal world is your third guy. Because you need that second guy who who can be available, and you know he'll be available. With KP, you don't know that. That guy you played, the guy you loved in the draft, he hadn't played yet, right? Tyrell Terry, yeah, he he's played, he's played oh, a he little did? bit, yeah, yeah, he's played just a little. Because uh, I I went to go yeah, look I, it up. Like, I think like fifteen minutes first oh, game, okay. five ten minutes second game. Did he do um, anything? Been solid. Yeah, just hit a couple th- couple three pointers. He's okay. been solid. I mean, but you know, like I said, Josh Green. I mean, I would have told you this draft night. Josh Green is the guy that's going to contribute immediately for them mm. because of the type of game that he has and the skills that he brings. And already in preseason, I, I've come away impressed by him, and I think I had him ranked a little bit too low on my board. And not no, just because of preseason, but uh, just the skills he brings to the NBA. And personality-wise, I hear he's a hard worker. All right. Well, that I'll, I'll piggyback off of that with my number three, which is kind of in the in the Tyrell Terry Uh, mode of this. So I was reading this article the other day and it was about Derek Rose and it was about how, you know, he clearly is taking more of the uh, Vince Carter type mindset towards becoming an elder statesman in the NBA, right? Where he he even said in the article, I told Killian Hayes, there is no competition here. You are the future of this franchise, and I will do whatever I can to help you. And it's so, look, I've known Derek Rose since he was 19 years old, and it is so, 18 really, um, because I first met him at the Hoop Summit. Um, And then obviously I covered him in his one year in college. And to watch Derek become who Derek is and read this article was so fascinating to me because I, I don't know. You never know how guys are going to evolve, especially once they've been MVPs, multiple-time All-Stars, got their own shoe, like, you know, and now what happens when you're not that guy anymore? Some guys can handle it and some guys can't. And you see him going into this role of walking in and saying, there is no competition. I'm not resentful of the young guy. I'm going to help him be whoever he wants to be. But he had a, there was a lot of wisdom in what he had to say. And I thought this was incredibly fascinating. And that's why I wanted to mention as a, as one of these uh, things I've noticed, he said for these rookies, and obviously he's talking about Hayes who has struggled so far. And he said, I had, And I had not really thought about this. He said, it is going to be very hard for these guys. And that's why I'm trying to help him. He said, I came in and I had USA basketball and I had international play uh, before my rookie year. I had summer league before my rookie year where I got on the court with bigger and stronger, faster guys that kind of got up to speed. And then I had a normal training camp before I got into it because obviously Rose had a great rookie year and he said, it's very, very difficult for these guys because you are jumping up a massive amount of levels very, very fast. And they, they didn't have the same type of advantage I had going into it. And I think this is true. We, we already talked about how this was not an outstanding rookie class. This was not a great draft, but I do think on some level we need to give all these guys maybe a little more leeway 
than a little more leeway than past years. Now, some of them will just not turn out to be that good. Some of them will out turn out to be outstanding. And I'm not saying that all of them are going to struggle. For, for the ones that do, there are reasons and there are excuses. And I think this falls more into the reason category more than the excuses category because I think there's that's real. You know, you get drafted in June and you're already working out and you know what team you're on. And they're already giving you what to work on and how to work on it and where you're going to fit in this thing. And then you go to summer league and you build a continuity with at least the young guys that are also on your team. And you get used to, for the first time, the speed of the game is it's replicated much more. You get used to a guy not being able to stand right in front of the basket as they do in international basketball. Sometimes as they do in college basketball, sometimes, um, and obviously watch college basketball. It's just, it's almost like a different sport at this point. Um, and they don't have any of that, you know, leading into this, they don't get to do that tutorial prior to and then go in and have like a real training camp. This is all sped up for a lot of kids that probably haven't played competitive basketball at all until a week ago they got into training camp, which that's not exactly a a good replica of it. And now they're thrown into an NBA game. Yeah. You know what I mean? We in a in an arena with no fans. I mean like everything about it is awkward and I get it. It's not as talented of a group, but I do think that we should give this rookie class more leeway than others just because of their circumstances. And I thought Rose, I thought he was very wise in in his observations mm. about that. I, I'm with him. I'm with him completely. And when it comes to rookie performance, this is why I'm primarily looking at process more than results. How did a player's body change? How did their jump shot mechanics change? Are they trying out new moves that they didn't have in college or last season internationally? And just on that note, you know, my next one will be LaMelo ball. Obviously he's been awesome to watch. So fun. So exciting with the passing ability and he hasn't hit a lot of shots. He hasn't scored a lot. He's been inefficient, but I'm impressed that he is He did change his shooting mechanics. He's shooting a relaxed jumper where he doesn't even really jump that much because one of his issues, as J. Kyle Mann detailed in his video breakdown on the Ringers YouTube page about LaMelo, was that in the second half of his season overseas, he started not jumping as high on his shot attempts and the results were better when he was shooting more relaxed, more of kind of a set shot. He's doing that now, still. And the shot looks good to me, and I and I feel more confident in his jumper long term than I did prior um, to the draft and prior to him knowing for a fact that this is the way he was shooting now. Because you know, with these rookies, I'm not like they're gonna struggle. They're gonna struggle getting thrown right into it for all those reasons you just stated. So for him and everybody else, first round picks, second round picks. I'm not reading too much into it. To me, this is an extended preseason. The next month or so. It's extended preseason for these guys. It's summer league for these guys. It's winter ball, really. And then by mid-year, hopefully a lot of them are able to get a feel for the speed of the game, for the physicality of the game. And that's when you see these rookies perform at a higher level. The ones who do it early, the ones who come in right away and perform at a high level, that's going to be even more impressive to me considering the circumstances. Well, and I do think that there are there are some things you could take away from it. I happened to be watching Charlotte last night and I tweeted out how how fun this kid is They're to so watch. Yeah. <laughs> he is fun. And mm-hmm. if Biombo could finish, he'd have had three more assists. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because he really, like even off the pick and roll, a couple of these passes were good. He threw an awesome full court pass while I was watching. And the other thing is he's smiling all the time. Like he I love like watching him. guys they that like play him. with like real joy. He's not some kind of, uh, you know, serious dour type guy. Um, and and look, so the the other thing. Let me just say this on a on a side note of that, Charlotte. It's it, you juxtapose that with some of the other teams I've watched, and they got a bunch of young guys on their team. They really share the ball with each other. They really do. They pass that thing around like you know. They got a bunch of good. 
you know, a, a lot of guys that were known as good character guys, and I think this matters a great deal, and good team players like Bridges, like Washington, uh, Devontae Graham, uh, and obviously you're throwing LaBello into that mix. Gordon Hayward, same thing. He's a keep-the-ball-moving kind of player. And just watching them for a team that's like a young team and watching them whip the ball around like they were, I was impressed by it. I, I, I was impressed, you know, because I think that's how a less talented team can really even the score some is by playing together and playing as a team. And and I thought they I thought they had good chemistry. Like I liked their vibe, honestly, when I watched uh Charlotte. Um I was impressed. Now, I said all that stuff about the the rookie thing and uh, I don't want to get called out on this because fair's fair. I did say when I was watching the games that my first impression of Edwards could not be worse. I tweeted that out and Obviously, there's some people that just, you know, it's confirmation bias and whatever. And then there's other people that say, hey, it's too early. What do you... Look, this is not um, this is not just a confirmation bias because I watched his workout that they put on, that ridiculous clutch workout that they put on ESPN. <laughs> and he was huffing and puffing in there. And if you watch, he's not in great shape. And he does a tremendous amount of standing around. Like, I, I'm just telling you, watching it, the first shot the kid took was like this step-back, one-legged three. It reminded me of that Patrick Ewing quote that goes around where he goes, do you practice that shot? Do you shoot that shot? <laughs> step-back, one-legged, you know, and fade away. Like, and I'm like, what are you, what are you shooting? What are you doing? And like, he he's clearly got a little of the bull in the china shop thing, but he didn't look mega athletic, and he looked like he was out of shape. And I, it, again, it's only a first impression. But the first impression I had of him while he was out there, because he's not a guy with the ball in his hands all the time, was I was like, oh boy, oh boy, because he's not an intense guy either, right? Like, I mean. On defense, either, and it's like, jeez, man, it's the number one pick in the draft. I would, and and mm. I'm juxtaposing that again. I'm watching the Grizzly game. Desmond Bain on the other side, like, is he's ready to play in an NBA game? You Bain. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Bain's awesome. And I, lo I love Bain. And, but just the difference between watching those two players, and I get it. One's a four year player. One's a one year player. But my impression, uh, look, I, I'm saying we should give these guys time, and I will. I'm just telling you, my first impression was a very, very bad one, uh, to say the least. And that's actually going to piggyback on what I'm about to talk about, which is, you know, so I said what I said about the rookies. I said what I said about um, the, the the Charlotte team. There's two other teams that you watch, and they're young, and they're talented, and you watch them, and I sit there and I go, oh, boy, nothing's, nothing's fixed. And one of them is... Uh-oh, uh-oh. Yeah, I know. sorry. Uh, do, I, do I know what's coming here? First... Spit them out. First, the Bulls. Okay. Billy Donovan's on that sideline now. Like, they got a bunch of talented players. It doesn't fit at mm. all. It's just a terrible... It's like they are individually not crap. But, <laughs> but you watch them together, and it's like none of this makes sense. It's like if I created players that have a skill set and are good at these different things. And then I said, okay, um, a part of roster construction is putting together a group that fits. And I talked about how Charlotte, they're like high-fiving each other. They're sharing the ball. They're talking to each other constantly. And you see that communication. And, and part of that is obviously coaching. And part of that is having some good veterans on your team that help with that, right? and have been part of winning before. You watch that Bulls team, and it's like, none of these guys have won anything. And, like, they look like so many times, it's like whoever's got the ball, it's this one-on-one -on -one basketball, They and, and they, they look, they appear to have no chemistry, like, on the court. They don't really look like they got chemistry off the court. It's like, even, like, it's like, 
Billy Diamond talking to Kobe White, like, hey, let me explain this to you, like pulling him off to the side. Like maybe she, but the Kobe White, Zach Levine thing doesn't fit at all. And then you've got Otto Porter on the side, who's not really a role player because he gets paid $100 billion. And then you've got Lori Markinen, who they're trying to fix. And then you got Wendell Carter, um, you know, who I don't, I don't know what he, he's supposed to be doing right now or where, the, how they're going to use him. But it just, it's all a mess. It really is. And they got a bunch of guys that individually they can be picked up. And to me, it like they're trying to win. It's malpractice. Like, why didn't you why didn't you change some of that roster in the offseason? Because there's time. a lot of Bulls fans. They gotta watch that shit for 72 games. Give, give, give it time, Chris. No, not give, give it, it time. time. For new Switch regime, it up. N- new regime there. Gonna give them time to find out what sticks, what's worth keeping, what they're gonna flip. They're gonna make moves. It's you inevitable. can't find out this way, though. It's just bad basketball. It really is. Give it, give it time. It really I'm willing is. to give the Bulls a little bit of time. New, new regime. New regime. The, the other one time. is Minnesota. They're going to be awful, Kevin. Awful. I had a feeling you were going to go to awful. Minnesota. I thought you were going to go to Minnesota first. <laughs> I've watched. I, I, obviously, I've watched them twice, and it is shocking. I worry about them. I do. No, I that worry. Russell Towns thing will get broken up. It will get broken up. It, now, it's, now, it's, it's only preseason. It's only for They have no chemistry. But they don't have chemistry. They don't have defense. They they don't have oh, much defensively? of anything. Now, that, that's part of See, I, I'm trying to slow down on uh, how good I've... The Grizzlies are playing without Jaron Jackson, Justice Winslow, and Brandon Clark. All right, that's three... That's three of their top six players in the preseason. And they they could have beat that team by a thousand. Like they have no it's like Jake Lehman and 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 Towns. And then it's Josh Akogi, Malik Beasley, and D'Angelo Russell. And they don't like have any leaders. They don't really have like a veteran that stands up and says, Hey, here's what we're effing up, or we've got to stop this, whatever. And it I, I was watching that game and I'm thinking to myself, God, with this town saying we got we got the AD crap all over again. It's just going to be another year of this guy not playing playoff basketball. He's an immensely talented guy, oh, and yeah. I feel terrible for him because I don't know if you read those articles. I mean, his heart is yeah. not really in it. Uh, for I, sure. You know, I felt so sad reading. He's lost a lot of people in his family. It wasn't just his mother. And he it's was awful. asked a question prior to the season about, you know, kind of is this an escape? for you basketball because so many guys find it as an escape you remember when Isaiah Thomas went through his thing you know it was like at least for two hours right I can do this thing my job and you know and I can play basketball and he said that's one of the reasons or the main reason I play mm-hmm. I love seeing my mom smile in the crowd I love seeing it made those people happy in my life that I was so good at basketball and cheering me on and that's not there anymore. So this isn't an escape at all. And I was like, Oh God, I mean, just that's real life stuff. And that is, you you would hope that getting on a basketball court could be a brief respite from your pain and the tragedy you've been through and to hear him talk that that's not so. Yeah, and, I mean it's it's and you're it's expected difficult. to lead a yeah. team. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like for sure, tough. it's a lot. It's a lot, lot, a lot of weight on his shoulders yep. uh, to step up during a year like this when he's lost so many family members in addition to his mom. Awful. I mean awful. it's it's awful. really awful. I, you know it's yeah it, it's hard, man. And like for him, I I can only hope that he can refine joy in basketball, you know, and feel the pride and love and excitement that his mom. And his family had for him in those moments because, you know, the one thing, you know, losing my dad this year in February, like I, I still feel his love for me. I still feel the pride that he had for me when like I would do something, you know, well at work or like whatever it is. And then, you know, whatever. So like what, anything with a father son relationship or father child relationship, like I feel that pride that my dad had for me still. And I can only hope that Kat, you know, he can still feel that. Yep. In those moments, because even if they're not physically here, that love still exists within. Yeah, and the, the the team, I mean, like we talked about, there's not that many teams that aren't going to compete for playoffs. Like they have no chance. I'm telling you, Kevin, they have no chance. I mean, and that and that's hard it's to say rough. when you're talking about a team that has so many quality players on it. I know. You know, it's not like this is a 
it's not a bad team. No, they're just, bad. They, it, they are. I mean, <laughs> they can't defend you. And that's the problem is defense. And Cat needs to be better on defense. Russell needs to be a hundred times better on the defensive end of the floor. And this is why I brought them up to you and Bill Simmons as a hardened sleeper team. Because they're the type of team that is so, you know, they want to get in the playoffs so badly. They need to get in the playoffs at some point. They need to keep Carl Anthony Towns happy. If at some point d is just not working out, to me, he becomes that piece for a bigger move. Even though Cat and d are friends, I think that's a risk that's worth taking because winning is what keeps guys. Winning, not friendship. You know, if they're losing, d and right. Cat won't want to stay together. If they're winning, then Carl Anthony Towns wants to stay. If they're winning, more guys, you know, hopefully can, you know, come on and be his role players there. D'Angelo Russell can't be the centerpiece in a deal, though. We're still out there searching for a better return to build. Well, than he's, ben he's Simmons. that he's like that young player who has a big contract that you'd give and you'd give mm. more than that. Like you're uh, not giving just D He'll be on his 25th team. No, oh, man. Well, yeah. I mean, D a solid player. He's not a great player. You say and that because the guy from Houston's there now? Well, that's another reason why, too. Gerson Rosas runs the Timberwolves now after, you know, being in the Rockets front office right. for, for many years. Yep. All right. What's number four for you? Or I guess five. Five. Yeah. Five. I, I think this is my fifth. Um, yep. Let's go with the Bucks, oh. And with them, a, a couple of thoughts. One, Giannis still can't shoot well. Um, one of seven from the free throw line the other night, his air ball, the three pointer, he, his shot does not look any better. That's just one, one thing. But the main thought I have with them, and this is something I believe we might've touched on a couple of weeks back is even though they added drew holiday, arguably the best defensive guard in basketball, they lost three guys. They lost George Hill. They lost Eric Bledsoe. And they lost Wesley Matthews. And those three were replaced by Dante DiVincenzo, who was with the team last year, Bryn Forbes, and DJ Augustine. Those three replacements were three of the worst defensive players in basketball last season. And thus far in preseason, granted it's just preseason, the Bucs look worse defensively than they did last season when they were by far the best defense in all of basketball. They're pretty much playing the same exact system with Brooke Lopez dropping to the paint, the same system that was more exploited in the playoffs than it was in the regular season. And I just kind of wonder here. It's hard for me to imagine with modern day Bill Russell being their center, uh, there could be <laughs> anything other than an amazing defense. Yeah. Um, well, uh, anybody who's been listening to the show this whole year knows that that's a, that's a callback reference to uh, Brooke Lopez. Chris, Chris pooping on Brooke Lopez, not not liking his game, not respecting <laughs> Brooke Lopez's game. Defensive but, player of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> with, with with the Bucks though, I just have some concerns with with the quality of the defense in the backcourt. Despite adding Drew Holiday, despite adding Drew Holiday, and that that it's just standing out to me. It's just standing out to me watching them in the preseason. Because with Giannis, man, like you want him handling the ball, you want him creating for you. But you also don't want him to have the pressure of having to take these jumpers. It's just the truth here with him. He's not a shooter. And he he's changed his mechanics so many times over the years that and the results have yet to really get better, except for like one dribble pull-up threes. To me, Giannis's ideal role is being Shaq. It's being Shaq and being the most dominant interior player in the league. That's what it is. Giannis himself said this week. Here's a quote from Giannis. He was asked by Kane Pittman. He was asked what he's learned the last two regular seasons and if he and the team can do anything better to be more prepared for the postseason. Here's what Giannis said. We've got to be able to do adjustments. I think this season we are going to play teams back to back, so we've got to be able to adjust. I think it's going to be good. Sometimes we struggle with that. And moving forward, that's going to help us. I think we've learned from our mistakes. We've got to be hungry, blah, 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 blah. He goes on like you know with more stuff about effort. But the main thing was about the adjustments. We got to be able to do adjustments. We've got to be able to do that. We've had trouble with that in the past. 
That's another comment that's sort of a slight at Budenholzer, who who has had issues with adjustments. In fairness, Budenholzer has talked about that going into this season. That they were they yes. were going to use this season to be able to play a different way when it comes to the playoffs. It Again, was I'll, like I'll, this, let's see it play out. It was like this acceptance of we get stymied. You're right because we're we're playing a lot of half court basketball when it comes into it. We're not. We need to be out and running, and we need to be out in space and doing all these things rather than scoring in the half court. That's not what our best player does, right? Our, our uh, we are at our peak when we're flying up and down. But there we get to these playoff teams that can really make it. You run a play, we run a play, and we're up against it. You know what I'm saying? Because we don't have a lot of shot creators on that team. And Drew Holiday will help that a lot, too, he honestly. Because he's a guy in the half court that can make a play. You're right. He can beat you off the dribble. He can extend the defense. Uh, Drew Holiday's not standing player. All right, last thing for me. The injury returns. So we didn't get to see that much of Curry, but obviously he looks fine. Mm-hmm. And his was much less devastating than some of his peers. Durant looked good. He did. He looked he sure good. Did. I mean, uh, you know, Kevin Durant, everybody worries. Obviously, these are not injuries that are easy to come back from, but he looked like Kevin Durant to me. You know, if we're talking first impressions, um, if you didn't tell me that Kevin Durant had some horrible injury he was coming back from, I would not have noticed. Um, the other one, and this one, I'll take a moment out to just uh, say I, I really – admire, and because th- this guy's gotten a lot of flack over the course of his entire NBA career, I admire Boogie Cousins because I flipped that Houston game on for the first night that they played, and that guy is in the best shape of his entire life, and he has had his heart ripped out twice. You know, he was all in line for the big contract, and it got it ripped away from him, and then he came back and he got hurt again. And it's like ACL, Achilles. I mean, he has just been to hell and back with these injuries. And it is so much work, so much work to come back from the injuries. And you are inevitably going to be carrying extra weight because you've had to be off your legs. But for that guy to look the way he does after getting two years ripped away from him. Um, you know, and, and you realize how insane, I, I mean, he pulled up for a three and I was like, my God, you forget how fluid and how talented he is at that size. Sometimes it's just freaky. He will always have his limitations from here on out, but he will always also be good enough to be on an NBA court. Um, and he'll always be huge. You know, you forget. There's so much I forget, right? And he looks even bigger now with so many teams playing small. Um, (laughs) But the shape he's in is crazy. And I got to be honest, Wall, I mean. John Wall looks pretty good, too. Yeah, I mean, he still bricks a lot of stuff, but he's bricked a lot of stuff, uh, you know. But the quickness is there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He's got that burst. He's got burst. He did. He still looked like a quick guy on the court. Um, and so that was, it was promising to see those guys come back from the injuries. Oladipo is like four for 17 in his two games. That's- is it, is an Achilles injury seeing KD get back, seeing yep. a wall get back. Is that about to be considered less of a devastating injury than it has in the past? Assuming these guys can continue to produce and stay healthy. I mean, we'll see. With, Bo- with Boogie, we saw him come back and then the ACL injury happened. So there's, you know, there's I think one these case. guys are all going to Germany, right? Isn't that the deal? They're all going to Germany. Like, that's what Kobe did once upon a time. And I mean, like they can, they can fix you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't know what don't they know do. They, over I don't there, know if they all went to Germany, but um, I think they did. I think I think that's where they all go now. Medical advances are for real. Oh that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, and yes, Victor Oladipo has yet to look like the Victor Oladipo of prime right. years yet, yeah. which is disappointing. Indiana's still going to be good. They're still going to be competitive, but they need Vic to be back to being Vic. Yes. And he does not look like himself. Mm, no, he again doesn't. Yet. He did look like himself on The Masked Singer, though. Did you see that? He he can sing, dude. I saw that clip of The great, Masked Singer. He's got a great he's, voice. He's a, he's a great he's got singer. a really good voice. Yeah. Well, I mean, he may, 
He may be a singer sooner than he expects. No, no. I'm no. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just speak for the Pacers fans listening right there. <laughs> uh, both of them? All right. Uh, both Eddie, of them? Wow. Well, we're not big with them. Are we're we not? Big with, nah, I don't think we're big Come with on, the Pacers fans. Pacers fans, you know. Shoot us a message. There's a couple. There's a. I was telling somebody this the other day. Like, there's a couple fan bases that obviously everything we do, you, you hear something from, right? I always know what fan bases, uh, you know, we're more popular with than others, or which have more fans, right? I told him the other day. You know, you you we busted up a, a couple of weeks ago about the Hornets thing, and I and you were like Hornets fans send them something, and they did. Um. I was telling somebody the other day, uh, oh, it was in reference to how many national TV games the Pelicans got. And I was like, look, I'm like everybody else. I want to watch Zion too, right? And I was like, but I never hear from Pelicans fans. Do you? Ever? Rarely, rarely. Yeah. Well, it's Not a hard. It, it, they haven't been, you know, like nobody's been dyed in the wool Pelicans for, there's only a finite amount of time you could have been. And they haven't won anything, which is usually when you get a strengthened fan base, right? You got to win uh, or else it's very hard for people mm. to care desperately about you. Those people still care about the Saints. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like they're, they're going crazy about the Saints. And if the Pelicans ever win... Taysom Hill. Taysom yeah. Hill's flamed out a little bit now and now ready for Drew Brees. Yeah, but you may have to uh, make a little apology to old Baker Mayfield, Kev. Oh, Baker Mayfield's you looking nice good. Last night. <laughs> Baker Mayfield's looking good. <laughs> he is looking good. Yeah, it, it's funny. And I, I missed the playoffs in my fantasy league. I, I had the fifth most points, but finished tenth because I had the hardest uh, schedule in the league. Uh, and Baker Mayfield's a free agent, and I recommended to one of my friends. I was like, "You should pick up Baker because there's other teams in, in our league. Someone's starting Matt Ryan. Someone's starting like Derek Carr." And Baker Mayfield, I was like, you should pick up Baker Mayfield because those teams who could be your future opponents could pick him up. He's got the Giants and the Jets in week 15 and week 16. So you got to box him out, Kev. You got to box him out. And he did pick him up. Smart decision by my friend Bill. Not there Bill Simmons, my friend Bill Mullen. Longtime friend. There you go. <laughs> but uh, oh, and also one other thing you mentioned hearing from from listeners on Friday's show. I'm you know, we were talking about handling criticism, and I mentioned how here and there, you know, I'll get a negative message in my Instagram DMs. A lot of you reached out and were just sending positive thoughts. Oh, really? About the, about the show. Yeah, got a lot of Instagram DMs. Oh. Just just saying how much they appreciate the show. And, you know, well. they've liked us during quarantine. I just want to say, I haven't responded to all of them yet. I've responded to a lot of them already. But thank you, everybody, for reaching out. Like, it means the That's world so to have this, you know, well, relationship then I'm going to make you know? up for them. And today I'm going to Instagram DM you that Killian Hayes is two for 21 <laughs> to start his NBA career. Uh, I'm more interested in his hard nosed defense and his passing ability. Oh, the God. Come. You're the no. one who said they didn't. You're Good the one grief. who said you're the one who said they didn't get summer league. You're the one who said they didn't get a normal preseason. So let's give it some time and look at the stuff that's working out so far. Defense passing. Um, he looks make- good. Good chemistry with Blake Griffin. <laughs> Come on, Chris. He's two for 21. Make a shot. Let's let's give it some time. No, no. Let's give it a little I'm, bit of time. I, I, look, I'm not. Oh, I think that you misunderstood me. So for the guys that you really liked, I'm not going to give them any time. <laughs> <laughs> I meant for the guys so, so I like. No time I meant, for, I meant for, no time for the, Killian Hayes, Tyrell Terry, and Alexi Pokushevsky. Those three. No oh, time po- for any of them. Pokushevsky. Poku looked oh. pretty solid. Some, I don't care about that low light video that was out there on Twitter that you sent. <laughs> I care about the fact that he's hitting, hitting fluid threes. Man, off, I was off glad the there's no fans at the games. His hook shot would have killed one. <laughs> they have line drive hook shot. What is this dude? Poku. Poku's going to be a good player. A good player. He's going to be a good player, Chris. <laughs> Just you wait. Um, I'll be, be waiting. I'm, I'll be waiting. Seven feet forever. Fluid can stroke threes. I'm going to be in my coffin waiting. Oh, jeez. <laughs> While Kevin, trying to buy a PS5, right? I know. <laughs> I swear it is the Desmond Bane of my existence. No. <laughs> I, I, no lie. For everybody out there, stay strong if you're trying to get one of these. Everybody knows for your, I've for got your kid, a kid, right? I've got a 10 year old son. Yeah. It's what he wants for Christmas. And I have spent. 
50 hours of my life trying to get this thing. And I still don't have one. And I will. I will prevail. Yes. At some point, I'm going to refresh and it's going to say add to cart. I just know it. One day on one of these sites or one of these stores that I've gone and stood in line in, I'm going to, I will prevail. I got, I don't have long though. I'm, I'm up against it. You were at GameStop for three and a half hours. You said I sat in a GameStop with a ticket ensuring I would get one for three and a half hours on Saturday. And I got to the front of the line and they said, sorry, we're sold out. And I was like, what? Damn, man. What? What do you mean? <sighs> I've never waited three and a half hours in my life for anything. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I've never stood in line for three and a half hours. You're a ever. good dad, Chris. You're Maybe a good dad. when I was a kid. Yeah. I remember my mom, we stood in line for like Billy Joel tickets when I was a little kid <laughs> at the mall <laughs> at like a Billy Dillard's Joel or something, but I don't think it was three and a half hours. I don't know. I don't know how long it was. I'm not a very patient person, but I'm trying. Um, Kevin, have a great week. We will talk again <laughs> on Friday. We'll have a lot more preseason games go on before then, and then our regular season is going to be the next oh week. It's right here. It's yeah. crazy. And yes. on Friday show, we have a, a special guest who I, I'm guessing our listeners won't be expecting, but I, I look forward to having our, our guest on Friday. Is it that seven footer for the thunder? <laughs> <laughs> no right. Poku yet. Not yet. Not Thank yet. Thank you to uh, producer Sasha as always. And we will talk to you on Friday.